Welcome to Grace DC Online. I'm so glad you could join us on this Sunday. If this is your first time with us, uh, welcome. And uh, if you are returning, glad you can be with us again. My name is Mike. I serve as one of the pastors here in the Grace DC Network. We believe worship is transformative. Whether it's a conventional worship service or not, we believe that in worship we draw near the presence of a living God who delights in us. And as we come, we fix our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith, Jesus Christ, who died, rose again, and now reigns at the right hand of God. And as we worship, the Spirit of God takes the truth of God's Word, the promises He has spoken to us, and all the things that we do in this worship service to make us into the likeness of Christ in our moral character. And that's our hope as we come this Sunday morning, that as we worship together, as we pray together, as we sing together, that we as a body of Christ would become like Christ so that we as followers of Christ can be the hands and feet who love and care for the people in our homes and in our neighborhoods well. Join me now as we um, respond to God's gracious invitation as He calls us into His presence. We will read Psalm 89 responsibly. Please follow along in the bold text. I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I said, steadfast love will be built up forever. In the heavens you will establish your faithfulness. You have said, I have made a covenant with my chosen ones. I have sworn to David my servant. I will establish your offspring forever and build your throne for all generations. Amen. Can you join me in prayer as we begin our service? Jesus, we come now into your presence. Thank you for inviting us just as we are. We know that we do not deserve to be before you because some of the songs that we sing and the prayers we pray betray the life that we lived. Yet you invite us and you draw us into your presence because you know that we need you more than we know it. And our prayer this day is that you will by the power of your Holy Spirit, transform us into the likeness of your Son. Feed us with your living bread. Quench our thirst with living water, we ask. In Christ's name, amen. Love is everlasting, it's an everlasting love. Your mercy is as new as every rising of the sun. And your loving kindness Loving kindness better than life. Your grace is all sufficient, it's an all sufficient grace. Your power and your glory are forever on display. And your loving kindness, loving kindness is better than life. Oh, oh it's better.
We're going to teach you now a prayer that we like to do at Grace Mosaic, which is a setting of one of the oldest prayers in the church, which just simply says, Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is right now, and will be forever. And this is a version of the prayer that we like to do, and we're going to teach it to you line by line. So Melissa will sing a line, and then we'll all respond right in time. Let's pray and praise our God together. what it means to be in a relationship and we understand this in a human level too we talk about people we don't know very well as superficial relationships well God is not into superficial relationships he wants meaningful relationships and the Gospels tell us that God not only loves us well but he knows us completely and that's why it makes this relationship so beautiful but it also gives us courage to come to confess our sin, knowing that God who calls us into his presence knows all our sins already, yet loves us nonetheless. So join me in praying this prayer together. And afterwards, we will spend just a moment in silent confession as we bring our hearts to the Lord using our own words. Join me as we pray. O Lord, our most just and most compassionate Heavenly Father, we acknowledge our guilt that we have rebelled against you and have not obeyed your voice. We have hardened our hearts and chased after other gods of our own making, and we have looked for ways to serve ourselves rather than others. Merciful King, do not look upon us in anger, but for the sake of Jesus Christ and his perfect righteousness, have mercy upon us. Please forgive our sins and cause us to return to you with our whole hearts. And by the grace of your Holy Spirit, strengthen the weakness of our faith and enable us to embrace the beauty and glory of the cross of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Let's now spend a moment in silent prayer before God. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. When we confess our sins, the Bible says he is faithful to forgive. Why? Because the work of forgiveness was already done. Jesus, our substitute, paid it all. And that's why he said on the cross, it is finished. 
And so as God's people who come to confess, let's now receive his pardon. Let's believe it, receive it, take it to heart. Hear these words from Isaiah chapter 1. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Amen. Good morning. The scripture reading today comes from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 4 to 7. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke all of his offerings. And by faith, he still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. This is the word of the Lord. With the changes that this current moment has brought upon us, many of you have found yourselves with an unexpected new job. You are now some version of a homeschool teacher. <laughs> Strange times, right? Fortunately for the Whitfield family, my wife Vanessa has been hard at work in the homeschooling realm uh, for the last few years now. And I remember when Vanessa started homeschooling our daughter, Tiana. It was one of those big moments, one of those big milestones for Tiana when Vanessa started teaching her how to write. Vanessa would write letters out on a piece of paper, and then Tiana would take that piece of paper, and she would start to copy those letters on that same piece of paper. Vanessa didn't just describe letters to Tatiana. She actually uh, gave her a pattern to follow. She laid down these patterns of the letters for Tiana to follow. And Tiana would proudly bring her homework to me every day and she would say, look at my letters, daddy. And I would take that homework and I would celebrate with her. Now, here's the thing. Tiana's letters were not perfect. In the very beginning, when Tiana was first learning how to write, she had lots of squiggly lines. But as she copied those letters day after day, I, I started to notice progress over time. Because she copied Vanessa's patterns day after day, Tiana's letters became more and more true to their proper form. And the crowning achievement of Tiana's learning how to write came when she was able to start writing freely. She could now identify herself by writing her name. In fact, she started laying claim to everything in the house by writing her name on it, on the walls, on my books, you name it. It said Tiana because she was laying claim to things in the house. And all of this, was because she followed the pattern that was laid down for her. The writer of the book of Hebrews wants to teach his friends the life of faith in Christ. But he doesn't just describe the life of faith and leave us to figure it out on our own. Instead, what he does is he lays down these patterns for us to follow so that we can present our lives of faith before God the Father, who delights in the trust and dependence of his children. Our lives will not be perfect demonstrations of faith. In fact, there will often be squiggly lines of doubt and sin in our copy. But as we practice the patterns of the life of faith, day after day, there will be a noticeable progress in our lives. And the result of copying the patterns of faith will be an increasing ability to live freely. We'll have a greater ability 
to identify ourselves. We will start laying claim to our privileges as God's children when we learn how to follow the patterns. So in our text for today, we're going to continue working through our new series in the book of Hebrews from chapter 11. And I just want to say at the very front of this that I think that Hebrews chapter 11 is one of the most important chapters for both Christians and non-Christians to understand. It's important for Christians to understand because it gives us the patterns of the life of faith. And it's important for non-Christians to understand what is the substance and what is the shape of faith as it is described in the Christian faith, that is, as it's portrayed in the Christian faith. This is the life of faith according to Christianity. And we're going to take a look at this passage through two points today. We're going to see pictures of faith and practices of faith. So let's look at our first point, pictures of faith. Now, during these, these times of quarantine, we hear people regularly expressing their fears and their concerns because the future is uncertain. The future is uncertain. And this is said most of the time as if life before the quarantine allowed us to peer into the future, as if this is some new state of affairs that the future is uncertain to us, as if we could actually know what is to come prior to the pandemic. But really, this pandemic has simply raised awareness of what is always the case. We cannot see the future, we are not in control, and we are always vulnerable. Now, for Christians, this means that we must walk by faith as we face the unknown by clinging to what we do know about God. God always has been good, God always is good, and God always will be good. God always has been for us, God always is for us, and God always will be for us. Just like the great hymn says, there is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. Great is thy faithfulness. So much of the frustration and fear and disorientation that we're experiencing right now is due to the fact that we are more accustomed to walking by sight rather than by faith. And all this pandemic is exposing is how often we walk by sight. But here's the thing. What we see in Hebrews 11 is that faith can navigate when the lights go out. Faith is able to navigate when the lights go out, when things get dark. Faith is able to navigate through any kind of circumstance you throw at it. Faith says, no matter what I can or cannot see right now, I believe that God has done what God said he would do. That God is continuing to do what he said he would do. And God will do what he said he will do because God is who he said he would be. I'm going to say that again. This is what faith is able to say in the face of any number of circumstances with which it is confronted. No matter what I can or cannot see right now, I believe that God has done what he said he would do, that God is continuing to do what he said he would do, and that God will do what he said he will do because God is who he said he would be. Faith is a referendum on the character of God, what God is like. It's one grand commentary. Faith is a commentary on the person and the promises of the Lord. That's really what it is. Our text for today flows out of chapter 10 in the book of Hebrews. And in chapter 10 of the book of Hebrews, the, the preacher of this sermon tells us of our need for the local community of believers. 
He tells us that we, we shouldn't give up on meeting together. He tells us that it's important that we recognize our connectedness. We're feeling something in that right now as we face the absence of it. But the writer of Hebrews moves from discussing the importance of the, the local community of believers to chapter 11, where he discusses the importance of the historic community of believers, where he describes the legacy of faith. It gives us pictures of faith, is what he gives us. And instead of settling for uh, a dictionary definition of faith, the author chooses to picture the life of faith as it was lived by God's people through history. We have a variety of people facing a variety of circumstances. And what the writer of Hebrews does is he gives us little snapshots, little vignettes, little pictures of how faith lives into a variety of circumstances, how faith responds, what faith does, what it looks like. And this is, this is meant to help you and I. Because as we continue to roll through the book of Hebrews chapter 11, as the preacher intends it, there's supposed to be a cumulative impact on our faith as we read through this chapter. And the big, the big takeaway that you and I should, should have in hand as we work through Hebrews 11 is this, the life of faith can be lived. The life of faith can be lived. It's accessible. We can turn our hearts to God. We can respond. These ways of living and being are accessible to us. And so I want to invite you to lay hold of these pictures of faith as we work through the rest of this chapter over the coming weeks. And I want you to aim yourself with the mindset that yes, your life can be deeply shaped by these pictures of faith. And you can be different. You can act in a different way as a result of, of allowing these pictures to work on you. The characters that the preacher of Hebrews pulls out, they had diverse circumstances. But the common thread is that their lives were more deeply shaped by trust in the Lord than by the circumstances that they could see in front of them. Their lives were more deeply shaped by their trust in the Lord than by the circumstances they could see in front of them. And the, the preacher, he, he pictures the life of faith throughout this chapter with these, these little pictures. And what's important for you and I to understand is this. As we work through Hebrews 11, it's not about the flawed characters. It's about God's character. It would be easy to misunderstand what's happening in Hebrews 11, to misinterpret it. But it's, it's key that you get this. It's not about the flawed characters. It's about God's character. The focus isn't on the human characters. The focus is on the God that these characters trusted. What does the life of faith look like? We're going to look at three of these pictures right now. We're going to look at Abel, Enoch, and Noah. We're going to take this, this first section with these three characters, and we're going to consider why it is that the writer of Hebrews raises these characters and what it is that he intends to teach us about faith by raising these characters up to show us the way they they leaned on God. They trusted God and depended on God. So let's look at the first character, Abel. Why does the writer of Hebrews raise Abel up as an exemplar of faith? I think that he references Abel to show us that faith worships. True faith worships. Abel offered his best gifts to the Lord. We don't know much by way of detail. Uh, when we go back to Genesis chapter 4, we don't know much about why there was uh, such a difference between the offering of Abel and the, that was accepted and the offering of Cain, his brother, which was rejected. 
There's been lots of speculation by commentators, but we simply don't know. But we don't need to know. Actually, in order to benefit from what the writer of Hebrews is, is trying to teach us, what we see very simply on the surface is that Abel offered his best gifts to the Lord. The Lord was the true north on the compass of Abel's heart, and this showed up in his sacrificial worship. And even though he died, his voice speaks of the worshiping faith that finds God's approval. And the writer of Hebrews is saying to you, that's what faith looks like. Faith worships. And then he moves on to raise up the character Enoch as an exemplar of faith. Why Enoch of all the characters? Why Enoch? I think that he references Enoch to show us that faith walks. Faith walks. Enoch, we are told, walked with God over the long run. Enoch walked this earth to please God over his many years, regardless of what those years brought to him. He delighted in God, and God delighted in him, and he bypassed death as a result of this communion with God. The writer of Hebrews is telling us that's what faith looks like. Faith walks. And then after he moves out of Enoch, he, he moves on to discuss Noah. Why does he raise Noah as an exemplar of faith? I think that he references Noah to show us that faith withstands. Faith withstands. Noah took God at his word. He followed God's calling on his life. And he withstood formidable opposition and ridicule and scorn from his contemporaries. The people around him thought he was a nut job. What is this dude doing building a boat in the middle of the desert? This dude is crazy. He lost his marbles. He looked like a fool. But what we see through Noah is that faith withstands. We see that this withstanding faith finds a refuge, comes safely through judgment, and emerges in a new world. The writer of Hebrews is telling us that's what faith looks like. Faith withstands. So do you see the three brief pictures that we have here? Through Abel, we see that faith worships. Through Enoch, we see that faith walks. And through Noah, we see that faith withstands. But the question I'm sure you're wondering as your wheels begin to spin is, how do these pictures inform our faith right now? Well, that brings us to our second point, where we see practices of faith. So here's the big picture. We, we get these pictures of faith, and these pictures of faith inform our practices of faith. In other words, there are things that we can uh, take on, according to the writer of Hebrews, the preacher of this sermon in Hebrews, there are things that we can adopt from the faith of these exemplars of the past. As we look at the family tree of faith, there's a lot that we can learn and appreciate. There are many ways in which our faith can grow. There are ways in which there are deficiencies in our faith that are exposed by the faith as it is demonstrated in the lives of those in the family tree over time. And so let's look at ways in which this, this integrates, these three characters' faith can integrate into our lives. Here's the good news when we consider the practices of faith. The good news is that we don't have to reinvent the wheel. I know that in our um, slick social media marketing age, it always feels like we got to come up with something new, something that pops, something that, it, that grabs the attention. But the preacher in the book of Hebrews, he, just, he simply does not feel uh, the, the burden to do that. What he does is he takes us back to the historic faith as it was worked out in the lives of others. And he says, you need to pay attention to the stories of these Christians in the, in the arc of redemptive history, these, these followers of God in the arc of redemptive history, 
in order to get a sense of how faith can take shape in your life. And so we don't have to reinvent the wheel. We, we, we simply have to copy the patterns of these lives of faith in our given circumstances day after day. We practice our way into strong faith or we practice our way into weak or non-existent faith. Either way, we have to, we have to attend to our practices because it's, it's the collection of our practices day in, day out, that make up the, the lives and the character and the, the, the people that we, we are and the people we're becoming. It's not, um, it's not magic. It's, it's not uh, something you can get if you go to a, a retreat on a weekend. It's, it's not something that you get microwaved if you go to a conference. No, that's not the way biblical spirituality works. That's not the way biblical faith actually works. Surprise, surprise, the God who sent his son into the ordinary and mundane of life actually does his work slowly in the lives of his people over time as they engage in ordinary means of grace, ordinary practices, day in, day out, over the months and the years in the context of community. They're accessible practices. Uh, don't expect any sparks to fly immediately. But over time, there is a transformative influence that takes shape when we practice the faith. So what do we learn uh, as we consider the, the life of Abel, the worshiping faith, faith worships? I think that like Abel, our disposition must be the Lord is first in my heart. Turning to the Lord first, giving to the Lord first rather than giving the Lord the, the, the scrappy leftovers of our time or our money or our attention or our love. One look at our screen time reports, I'm not trying to step on any toes, but it's true. One look at our screen time reports and one look at the amount of time we spend on social media should be enough to exhaust the excuse that we just don't have time. I think that when we take a look at the faith of Abel, we are, be, we are being invited to really investigate the, 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 the real faith in the life of Abel that basically, in a very simple way, says, the Lord is first in my heart. The Lord is first in my heart. He's first in my worship. I think that we get the demonstration of where the Lord was situated in Abel's heart. Because if you go back to Genesis chapter 4, you see that Abel brought the Lord, the, the firstborn from his flocks. The firstborn. He, God got his best and his first. Look at Abel's legacy of being a worshiper. I think that's a, a profound thing. Look at his legacy of being a worshiper. Look at the verdict on his life in the text. Look at it. The text says, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. And my question for you out there in TV land is, will your faith continue to speak after you die? I'm trying to make plans personally to preach beyond the grave, y'all. I, I want you all to make plans to, that your life will say that the Lord was first in your heart because you lived under the awareness of the gospel that says that God put you first in his heart. He put you first in his heart by setting his love upon you and sending his son to take away your sins and to cleanse you and by pouring out his spirit on you to give you new life. This is ultimately why faith worships, because faith is absolutely floored by all that can be seen in the person and work of Jesus Christ. That's why faith worships. That's the proper response to who this God is and what this God has done. And that's why God shows up first in our hearts. Abel 
with the limited vision and revelation that he had, knew enough to put God first in his heart. But how much more should we, on this side of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, how much more should we have cause to put God first in our hearts? It's gospel love that compels this vision of faith for us. That's that's what we see in the life of Abel. Faith worships. But we also see that faith walks. Faith walks. Enoch walked with God for the long run. And if you go back to Genesis 5, you will learn that Enoch lived to be 365 years old. And during those many years, that what characterized his life was walking with God. And the result was that he evaded death. He evaded death. Now, imagine how many disappointments and setbacks he faced over 365 years. I know it feels like a long time. It's been five, six weeks we've been in quarantine. I don't know about you. I'm, I'm about to lose my mind up in here, up in here. I'm feeling stir crazy. But as I studied this text, I was struck by 365 years of walking with the Lord. And just, I just imagine all, all the losses and the trials that Enoch faced over centuries of life. I imagine how many times he felt like giving up. But Enoch could say, "'Tis grace has brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home." And the promise for you and I is this. If we walk with the Lord Jesus for the long run, living in communion with the one who loves us so for this short time that we're on the earth. The same Jesus who said, I am the resurrection and the life will not just help you to evade death. He will bring you to conquer death. You will be exhibit B of resurrection power. Jesus was exhibit A. You will be exhibit B of resurrection power. You will stand to see death dead at your feet. Faith walks. Faith walks. But finally, we see that faith withstands. This is what we see from Noah, and it works out in our lives as well. Here's the, here's the big picture. Noah took God at his word. He followed the Lord's calling, and he resisted the contrary popular opinions of his day. And in this way, he found a refuge from judgment in the ark for himself and for his family, and he came through that judgment into a new world. Now, can you see the lesson? Can you see the lesson for you and me? If you and I take the Lord at his word, if you and I follow his calling and get more free of the need for the world to agree with us, to like us, we will find our refuge in Jesus Christ himself, and we will come safely through judgment to emerge in a new world. In other words, what the writer of Hebrews is trying to tell you and I, and what I'm trying to get across, is that faith withstands. It's beautiful, I think, to see these, these deeply flawed, sinful people held up in this text as examples of those who simply pointed to Jesus. When you go back to them, you're not meant to get caught up in the characters themselves. You're supposed to see them pointing to God, showing you that he's reliable, that he's trustworthy. And though their lives were not perfect examples of 100% all the time faith and dependence upon the Lord, the writer of Hebrews is aiming to encourage us that we can live substantive lives of faith. We can see that, that, that these flawed and sinful characters are, are celebrated in the scriptures. And it's an, an encouragement to us to see that the Father delights even in the, the smallest faith. He even celebrates our crooked lines as we try to copy the patterns that are set down before us. But if we copy these patterns 
we will have an increasing ability to live freely. We will have a greater ability to identify ourselves no matter what challenges or hostilities we face. We'll start laying claim to our privileges as God's children when we learn to follow the patterns. If you turn these pictures into practice, you will start writing your name on the promises of God. You will start writing your name on the peace of God in these turbulent times. You will start writing your name on the love and joy of God. You will start writing your name on the inheritance of God and the future that he has laid up for his children. This is what faith looks like. Faith worships, faith walks, and faith withstands. Let's trace the patterns. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your great love for us. We thank you for your word that you have given to us to instruct us, to guide us, to convict us, but most of all, to get your good news across to us. We thank you for the good news that over the millennia, you have proven to be faithful, that people throughout history and from around the globe looked to you and found in you a, a, a resting place, a refuge. They found in you a savior. And it is, it is that hope that we can continue to lay hold of today in the year 2020. We can look to you, God, because you are the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So Lord, we pray that you would forgive us for the ways in which we have failed to trust you, for the ways in which we have doubted your character, for the ways in which we have thought that we want better for our lives than you do, for the ways we have thought of you more as a boss than as a father who cares for us. We ask your forgiveness, Lord. We repent. We turn from these sins of ours, these small views of you, for our self-reliance, for our pride and thinking that we can work our way out or figure it out ourselves. Lord, you have demonstrated that you are trustworthy and you delight to save sinners. It's such good news. And we ask that you would help us, Lord. We believe, but help our unbelief. We ask particularly for our friends who are wrestling through what faith looks like, that you would give them uh, insight into how faith takes shape in the, in the Christian story, in the Christian scriptures. And I pray for these friends and for us, those of us who profess to be Christians, that we would not settle for uh, a vague and hazy faith but that we would long for greater specificity uh, in the way that we work out our faith, that we would long for that picture to be filled in uh, as we return to your word to, to gain a greater understanding of how we can work out the life of faith, how we can grow in trust and dependence. Lord, I pray that your word would go out and that it would accomplish what you sent it for. I pray that you would glorify yourself in the preaching of the word and that you would bless your church to bear witness to the fact that you are trustworthy, that you are good, that you are for us, and that you are faithful. We pray that our faith would worship. We pray that our faith would walk. And Lord, we pray that our faith would withstand not just the hostilities we face from those who differ with us. We pray that our faith would withstand a pandemic. Lord, help us not to throw in the towel. Help us not to give up. Lord, help us to look forward in faith, knowing that even if we don't know what tomorrow holds, we do indeed know the one who holds tomorrow. So Lord, we pray that you would bless us and meet us in all the ways that we need you. In Jesus' name we pray.
now uh, I want to invite you to receive God's blessing over your lives. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.